Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Watching the scene from the last of the Mohicans where the guy takes a bite out of the other guy's heart. We may not be good, but we're going to be nasty. We're going to reflect the blue-collar nature of this city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Tuesday afternoon. Bo Wolf, Marissa Dunn, Zach Berman. Zach, how is your taco soup recipe? (laughs) That is a reference to Nick Sirianni, for those who don't understand. I do like taco soup. I haven't made it. I should make it. Uh, and as Nick Sirianni alluded to, probably put some more Fritos in it so the kids like it. Is that correct? I think he said Fritos on the side. If Fritos on the pit, side. Gonna be okay. Yes. Um, but Nick Sirianni referenced that as a way of discussing how they self-scout. That you're trying to look at what you do and get better at it and perfect it just as he's perfecting his taco soup, which his wife enjoys, but his children don't. Mm-hmm. Was that like music to your ears, Zach? Yeah, it's. I think it's a really good reference. It's something that will get into a notebook on the athletic, and it's. Uh, yeah, and I think anytime you can humanize the coach, right? It's. It's. What's the magazine Us Weekly? They're just like us, or mm-hmm. people. Is it Us Weekly? They're just like us. Yeah, um, like the stars are just like us. Yeah, yeah. yeah they go grocery shopping. Or, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. It's. It's. It's the same thing. And if uh, you had to guess, mm-hmm. how. How many times a year do you think Sirianni makes the taco soup? <laughs> What's the over-under? I'll, I'll go over-under. Like, if you give me the over-under, I'll tell you if I think over or under. I think the over-under is one and a half. <laughs> oh, I think over on that. I'm going to base it off how many times Michael cooks a year, and it's got to be under five, I'd say. I mean, he's eating <laughs> at the uh, cafeteria most of the time. We know that. And... During the off season, when he's not in the building, he's probably traveling a bit with the family, right? So he's not. I can't imagine he's home for lunch too often. But they're, that's, they're, a dinner, they're, that's a dinner meal. Yeah. Okay. Or home for yeah. And like a winter food. dinner meal. That's yeah. not like you know. Summertime. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like most of his off time is is yeah. summer. He's not busting out a taco soup in July. Yeah, you can have a taco soup in July. I ate. taco gazpacho. <laughs> um. I mean, it's a good question here. Probably look in, in, in February, maybe, you know, his, his, his wife gets to go out for a night. He has the kids. Uh, He needs to make something quickly. It's it's an easy thing to make. Okay. There's, there, there's one. And then another time, you know, uh, 
Saturday night before a game or something, or Friday night before the game, he has the kids home. He's making uh, he's making tacos. I mean, not Saturday night because they're in the the building on Saturday night. So Friday night. Yeah, I mean, I guess you got to think like, how many times is he really cooking dinner, and then whatever that is, like, is taco soup the only arsenal, <laughs> the only thing in his arsenal, or does he have like three things that he can make? This is why I wish there were follow up questions, right? Mm. You was are you a big soup guy? A very big soup guy. Yes. Well, Me I mean, too. not literally big, but yeah, I am. A, I am. I am a soup guy. Yes. All right. Let's go. Uh, let's let's start this podcast off the right way. Let's go. You know uh, we're in playoff week now, right? You know, let's Eagles, do. Eagles got the number one seed, and we're doing soup. Let's do two <laughs> rounds of a soup draft. Okay. And, the, and our our okay. Two rounds of a soup draft. You go. You, that, you got the number one pick. I have the, I have the number one pick of a soup draft. Yes. Um. Okay, I have an answer for that. Um, I think I think the the chalk answer would be a chicken noodle soup. Uh, it's like a you know if if you if you want a soup, when do you really need a soup? When you when you want something to feel good. But I think the upgrade from the chicken noodle soup, uh, and my number one is a wonton soup. So I'm gonna mm -hmm. go wonton soup, one one overall. Although are we are we counting uh, pho and ramen here, or are, are those separate entities? I mean, I know those those are Four technically holes, soups, but if I <laughs> If they count, then I'm I would go for number one. Yeah, yeah, I I will weigh in on the record debate. You can have this the the soup debate. So I'm gonna go ahead and discount. I know this is unfair in a in a soup draft, but I'm gonna go ahead and, and discount pho and ramen because otherwise those. I've actually never food. had that, so. Well, you, got some, go. you got some you got some scouting to do, Marissa. Yeah, definitely. All right, definitely. Marissa, you can go. You can go number two. Okay. Um. Lots of good comments in the chat. Clam chowder, matzo ball soup. Um, but I'm going to go broccoli cheddar soup. Broccoli Ooh, cheddar, what a reach. My really, <laughs> really. Uh, I love like a creamy broccoli cheddar soup. Are you serious? That's so good. Uh, so I'm, I'm going. I didn't know that would be controversial. Reach, reach city. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going New England clam chowder. Okay. okay. A few comments about that. Yeah. And actually what I like is, um, there's a, there's a place, uh, Smitty's in Summers Point. It's a clam bar where you do half clam chowder, half or half New England clam chowder, half Manhattan clam chowder. So mm. White, that that like chowder bigamy. Yeah, that really does it for me. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I would go corn chowder, but I, but but can I go chowder chowder here or or, or <laughs> oh. you can do whatever you want. It's your board. I mean, you can take Trey Thomas three overall. <laughs> I'm I'm real happy with my New England clam chowder number one overall. Um. You know, I, I, I will go with, uh, I don't know if chili counts as a soup, but yeah, I, I was thinking chili. about that. I, yeah, that is, that would probably be my top if it did count. Yeah. I, I, I'm going with a chili, like, uh, I feel a, like that's like, is a hot dog a sandwich question. Yeah. Yeah. A vegetable chili. Mm. Vegetable. Mm. All right. All right, Marissa, you're up uh, fifth overall. Okay. Um, we actually talked about this on a cameo, um, but I like a tomato soup, especially with like grilled cheese mm, on the grilled side. Grilled cheese, tomato soup, classic combination. Yes, yes. So tomato soup will be my second pick. I hope that's not as controversial. <laughs> mm. All right, this is tough. I gotta think. I mean, I would again, pho and ramen uh, are there for me, but if we're if we're saying they don't count, I've got like a chicken soup-ish base with the with a wonton. I want a little bit of variety here. Um, 
You know what? Maybe like a uh, maybe a butternut squash soup. That's what I'm gonna go with here. Something okay, so different. you knocked my broccoli cheddar, and you're picking butternut squash. Those are similar. I feel like. No? I mean, butternut squash is a better soup than <laughs> broccoli okay. cheddar. Get out of here. I I mean, I just dominated this draft. This is unbelievable. I feel very strongly about my board. Me too. I feel like I'm gonna have soup for dinner tonight. Now, well, that's the other question: Is soup a meal? I'm gonna you go make with it no. A meal? I'm gonna go with no, unless it's like a chili, unless it's like substantial. But I need something else, like the you know grilled cheese on the side, or you know a salad or something else. It depends it's on the size. It depends. I mean, if you have I a like beef stew, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Chili is a meal. Yeah. I like okay. soup as a meal. Yeah. My wife makes really good vegetable soup as a meal. Okay. All right. Well, it is a playoff week. The Eagles are in the playoffs. They Believe it or not, eight minutes in. Yes. And with that in mind, we send it over now to the stone cold newsman himself, Zach Berman, Mr. Chow. Your number one seed Philadelphia Eagles are off this weekend, but not off this week because the players will be in the building uh, for the rest of the week here. They will be focusing on fundamentals. There's a lot of self-scouting. There's a lot of working on things that they would in training camp or OTAs. This is a week essentially where they are focusing on themselves. As far as health-related questions, Jalen Hurts came out of the game sore, as to be expected, Nick Sirianni said that they didn't think he could re-injure himself or further injure himself because he was playing, but he was, he was hurting like hell playing out there, uh, being out there. So uh, this gives Hertz a chance to recover. And then we go to uh, Josh Sweat, who nothing is official here, but trending in the right direction. Josh Sweat, who injured his, what's, what's so funny? Nothing. Okay. It's, um, Nobody's flossing on camera or anything. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's also a reference to the press conference today, by the way. Uh, um, we you may so have noticed that Nick Sirianni paused. If you're a sicko who watches the press conferences live or listens live, yeah. uh, it's because he had to stop himself from laughing because a reporter didn't realize that they had their camera very close on themselves flossing. Oh no! In their car. <clears throat> yes. No. No. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Joshua trending in the right direction from that neck injury. Uh, that's a positive sign for the Eagles. Uh, the big news early in the week is that Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen, both popular candidates on the uh, coaching circuit. Shane Steichen, uh, based on reports from the Athletic and from elsewhere, three different head coaching interviews, uh, the Texans, the Colts, and the Panthers. Jonathan Gannon, Texans have requested an interview there. So both those coaches uh, are fitting time this this week with the self-scouting process, but also with the interview process. Nick Sirianni said Jonathan Gannon is going to have a nicer suit than Shane Steichen. That's a reference. Gannon is a, uh, a stylish man, apparently, following the footsteps of Jim Schwartz, who is well-known for his style as well. Uh, but that's, that's the news this week. A lighter week, but not an off week for the Eagles, Back to, nor is it. And off week for us. Back to you in the studio, Bo. Zach, what are your uh, expectations on the injured Eagles as as we point towards a week and a half from now? Uh, Jalen Hurts obviously is going to play, but yep. what are your expectations for him? I know you talked about these guys, but Lane Johnson, Josh Sweat, <clears throat> Avante Maddox, do you think they will be out there in the divisional round? Yes on Lane. 
Yes on Sweat. Yes on Hurts, of course. TBD on Maddox. Like you mentioned, the fact that they did not put him on IR suggests that they think there's a chance he could be back by then. Otherwise, it would have behooved them to put him on IR two weeks ago. It would have been four weeks, right. It would have been four weeks. They would have had him back for the championship game, right? Uh, So... Yeah, so I'm I'm going with uh, I'm going with potentially, but I, I don't have enough information on that to really make a strong opinion. Okay, uh, about the about the coaches, Gannon yeah, and Steichen. I think you know I, I, this is w- worthy of a longer conversation. Um, and fortunately, we have a podcast, uh, and so we can have that longer conversation. Um, I guess first of all, do you think? that they're both going to leave uh, how do you how do you view their chances gannon remind us again who he's interviewing with the texans, of texans. Course. yes and so and far that's it for, for I, I, I thought it was on the broncos list no uh have i guess he, he was last, last year, year last year not yet. i i haven't seen that okay yet in terms of them putting uh, oh um yeah no i haven't seen that yet okay i'm sorry uh so so gannon for the texans obviously he was close to getting that job last year by all accounts um, what do you make of his chances? What do you there's, make of how he would do as a head coach? So there's a lot of smoke with Houston here. Um, and that's, uh, that's certainly something to watch. Um, I don't know what direction Houston's going to go yet. There was, I mean, I remember being in the senior at the senior bowl last year when, you know, I, I, I kept hearing Gannon's going to get the Houston job. Gannon's going to get the Houston job. Um, and of course, there were a lot of things that went on there. Again, he did not get the Houston job. His candidacy would seem to be better this year in that the Eagles are one of the top defenses in the NFL. Gannon's had a strong year. The Eagles are one of the best teams in the NFL. I will repeat what I said during the podcast last year, and I, and I believe this. You're not hiring Jonathan Gannon based on his defense. You're hiring Jonathan Gannon based on his you know leadership ability or – the personality, whatever it may be. And I feel strongly that when you hire a coach, you don't hire the scheme, you hire the person. Okay. And uh, I did a story before last season with the premise being like, like why is everyone talking about this guy as a future head coach? Right. And I spoke to people who knew him, people who played with him. And you know, the answer, it, it like the answer was almost uniform. He has natural leadership ability. Uh, so, Will he get the I, – I don't know what these owners are looking for. I don't know what Jonathan has planned for his staff, what, what Jonathan has planned for um, his, you know, you know, scheduling, for his overall program. What I I would speculate, knowing Jonathan, as, as, as you do, is that in these interviews, I imagine he, he's, he's prepared. Like, he knows, he knows what questions I, – I, I think I saw – a reference to his interviews last year that it was almost like, like he, he, uh, he knew the answers before the questions were even asked. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a characterization people made based on, on, on Gannon's personality. So I, I don't know, but I can't imagine you're hiring the scheme. You're hiring the person with Gannon. Um, yeah, as- there's so, there's, there's so much unknown about how yeah. a head coach is going to do. And it's, it's, there are so many parts of the job that are more important than, you know, the scheme, as you say. And so what's the staff is going to put together? What's the, yep. you know, the culture that he's going to try to create? Um, you know, what are his overarching philosophies? And I think we agree that like Jonathan Gannon's overarching football philosophies are sound. 
Um, and I think they would, they, it seems like he cares about the right things. So I, I would be interesting. I think Houston is now Steichen is interviewing there as well. You know, that's a, that is a rotten organization. Um, but so are most of the open jobs right now. Uh, it's like a pretty bad slate of open jobs. I actually, like, I think you could make a case that Houston is, is maybe the second best open job because of all the assets that they have um, because it's a division that is winnable. And because, you know, they're like a laughing stock right now for, and rightfully so for having fired their last two coaches after one year, I think you probably get some built in stability, but you know, beggars can't be choosers. And I, I would imagine they, that they'd probably be trending younger this time around relative to, their previous coach, but I, I, I yeah, I, I thought that was kind of a nonsense report that was put out there, as if like okay. they're blaming the age of the guys they yeah. hired. No, but as I, if, yeah, like yeah, give me a break. Yeah, no, that's, that look, that's fair. I agree with you. I'm, I think the thing about, I, I think the rotten thing the the Texans did was firing David Cully in the first place, um, because I think it was very clear to everybody that this was a one year deal for Lovey Smith, even though they signed him to like a four year extension, like it was kind of farcical. Um, and so if you were going to be looking to turn the page anyway, like give Cully an extra year. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's a yes. gross, it's a gross it, place. It, it's, it was, a um, yeah, all around. It was an, it was a, an atypical situation last year. Uh, the, uh, as far as Steichen, I, I, I don't want to say you're not looking at him for his leadership ability. Cause that's a big part of it. And we see that with, with Nick Sirianni. But I think with with Steichen, a big appeal to teams will be the experience he has working with young quarterbacks, right? He's worked with Jalen Hurts here. He's worked with uh, Justin Herbert in, in Herbert's rookie year. If you're a team that's that's trying to start over with a quarterback or fix your offense and you're you're trending to that profile of uh, offensive coordinator who's who's worked with you know quarterbacks before. That's that's Steichen's background, right? Steichen, I mean, like if 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 you look at it anecdotally, or Nick Sirianni was a quarterbacks coach who got moved over to wide receivers coach with the Chargers, almost to make room for Steichen to be the quarterbacks coach. Steichen has worked with quarterbacks for most of his NFL career, and uh, he has experience now with two of the top young quarterbacks in the NFL. So, uh, again, you don't hire a scheme. You don't hire someone just because they've worked for someone or with someone. I feel very strongly about that. But if you're trying, if if you're saying let's let's figure out a quarterback situation, let's get someone who knows quarterbacks, who's worked with quarterbacks. Steichen has that reputation of someone who's who's uh, done so. And the Eagles' offense has been very creative this year. I think his 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 play calling has been impressive. They have answers for things. You know they they hit a little bit of a lull in recent weeks, um, but they are uh, I, I've I've been impressed throughout the year from his play calling. And if you frankly, if you, if you track the play calling going back to when we believe he took over last year, um, they've been one of the best offenses in the NFL since that date. I think of the three teams that Steichen is interviewing with: Texans, Colts, Panthers. I would I would lay the most turkeys on the Panthers as a landing spot for him. Just looking at the other people that they're interviewing, they seem focused on uh, young offensive yeah. quarterback people. And, and I I mean, without um, you know uh, knowing the situation there, I mean Steve Wilkes. I don't know what more he could have done. 
during that job, right? He, if I, there's a bad track record of keeping interim coaches or, or, or keeping yeah. in-house coaches. And I don't know if that's working against him. Um, and I think I said on the podcast a few years ago that like my only in-person interaction with, with Steve Wilkes one time was on an airplane um, coming back from Mo, like connecting mobile to Charlotte. Yeah. And he was, uh, he was helping everyone with their luggage. And I thought like, I mean, this is no way to base it off of, but you're talking about someone who takes like the leadership on the plane. He was the guy who, you know, it was, it was one of those small planes, anyone on the plane who needed help with the luggage, Steve Wilkes was doing it. And, uh, I'm like, oh, I, I, I took that away as, uh, as that was, that, that's a nice person. That, that, that's someone who has the back of everyone here. Character is what you do when no one's watching. Right. I was watching. Actually. But he doesn't know you were watching. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's almost as if he knew that that was going to impress you and he did it just for your benefit. <laughs> well, it's a much better um, uh, explanation one time. I, and I, I'm butchering the details probably, but when he got hired in Arizona, Steve Kime once said like he, 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 he chatted with him on, on, on the beach at one point on vacation and like was really impressed with him. And, mm. and I mean, uh, yeah, that, anecdotally, that scene on the plane said, this is someone who takes charge. Okay. And he had more success with the, uh, with the Panthers this year than he did in the one year at the Cardinals. But that was a bad year with the Cardinals overall. Yes, unfortunate. All right. I think more to the point for uh, our listeners is the question of if these guys leave, uh, how do the Eagles backfill? And that is a real problem um, that, that coaches have is uh, the quote-unquote brain drain. Uh, there are young coaches in the building. There are guys that, you know, Sirianni knows around the league. What are your um, your guesses, your expectations for how they might go about backfilling both of these jobs if if, if both guys leave? Uh, Sirianni um, has he's, – he's, he said today that he has strong candidates internally and externally, which which is covering all your bases, I, I suppose. But he uh, he's had time to think about this, right? He, this is not going to surprise him if one or both gets jobs. And he had time last year in particular to think about the defensive coordinator openings. Um, the uh, Let's focus on, on internal candidates for a moment. I think the top internal candidates on the offensive side, Brian Johnson is an obvious name, although I think Brian Johnson's going to be popular elsewhere as, as well for people looking for offensive coordinators. Uh, uh, Kevin Petullo is someone I can see. Um, Sirianni, he's, he's like Sirianni's right-hand right man there. almost. And he, he deals with a lot right now in terms of situational stuff, right? Uh, so those would be the top two, I would say, internally on the offensive side. On the defensive side, I, I think Denard Wilson is the obvious name to know. I mean, he is the uh, what the assistant head coach for defense or the assistant defensive coordinator. What's what's the title that got added to him? Um, but, but, but he's certainly someone to know there. Uh you know, I I think someone has described to me in the past Nick Rallis as a future defensive coordinator in this league, but I th I think Denard Wilson would would be the top defensive candidate. passing game coordinator. Yeah, defensive passing backs. game. Yeah, so I would definitely pay attention to Wilson and Wilson, someone who uh, who yeah I've 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 heard great things about, and that secondary is playing at a high level this year. Uh, externally, we've mentioned Vic Fangio, right? He's someone who, if they want the established guy, the this you know someone who can come in and has that type of gravitas, as a, has been one of the, the best defensive coordinators in the NFL over the past decade. 
obvious name to watch. Local has affiliation with the team, was at training camp this year. So in theory has a sense of He's the He's been personnel. working for the team. He admitted it. Yes, yeah. ex- exactly. Um, off- offensively, the name you would hear quite a bit, of course, is Frank Reich. Hmm. Uh, uh, I thought you were going to go with your boy first. My my boy being who? Tommy Reese. Well, Tommy Reese is someone who Nick's tried to hire in the past. Okay. And uh Tommy Reese has he's the offense coordinator and he's the offense coordinator at Notre Dame. That's a really good job. Um, I don't know what I, I, I don't know Tommy Reese, but that would be someone to monitor. But I I you know, people are gonna be talking about Frank Reich. I don't know if I don't know what that situation would be. Um, I don't know what Frank's options are elsewhere. I know Frank's held in high esteem in the organization, and obviously we saw it in Indianapolis this year by Sirianni. So uh, that would be something to watch. But Also Marcus I, Brady on, on the staff, the, the firing Colts offensive point. coordinator. Yeah, 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 very good point. Uh, so that would be the, 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 the direction I would watch. But if they decide to keep it internally, I, I, I think Johnson – Slash Patulo, and then Denard Wilson are the names that we pay attention to. The the one thing that is just sort of on my radar about like uh, like a Fangio or something like that, like an established defensive coordinator who's more of a like an arranged marriage with Sirianni, is that like we we have heard so much, and when they when these guys came in, this staff was all about this like this youthful energy, right? And I'm not saying that you know Fangio wouldn't be an upgrade over Jonathan Gannon. He you know I think history would tell us that he would be but like just the, that mix of styles um how might that go and so i don't know just just something that's on my radar like whereas denar wilson has been here uh, i don't know how i don't know what he's like yeah. as a defensive schemer or, or a play caller but uh it's a, it's an easier transition in that sense sure but uh and i i would imagine a lot too uh depends on how the eagles finish this year but sirianni certainly has more you know, cachet or gravitas, if you will, around the league after going 14 and three, he, he, he might be the coach of the year this year, who knows? But, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're an established defensive coordinator now, this is a different situation than coming in say two years ago. Sure. All right. Let's take a little break, come back, do a little, uh, getting a bird in edgewise. We open up the quail bag and answer questions from you. The valued listener. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome back, Birds with Friends. Bo, Zach, and Miss Broccoli Cheddar herself. Uh, Marissa, how are you? 
I'm good. <laughs> I don't okay. know how to respond to that, but yeah, yeah I'm good. Excited to hear the answers to these questions. A lot of people chimed in, so yeah, yeah well, ready to fire them off. Let's dip our beaks. Let's jump right in. First question comes from Garrett. Zach, which free agents would you prioritize re-signing? Now, the Eagles, we have talked about, have uh, a ton of free agents. They have uh, more pending free agents who have played at least 50% of the snaps than any other team in the league. They have nine. Uh, wow. I will quickly run down that list, starting uh, in order of how many snaps they've played. Marcus Epps, James Bradbury, Isaac Sayamalu, TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, CJ Gardner-Johnson, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Miles Sanders, and then you get to the Bob Quinn, Zach Paschal, Linval Joseph, Dominic and Sue, Boston Scott, Gardner Minshew, Andre Dillard, Tyree Jackson, Brett Toth. Javon Hargrave, based on the position that he plays, the production that he's had, would be the top priority. <clears throat> and I, I know, are we talking about an on-air or, or off-air? Perhaps he's priced himself out of it. I I think the Eagles are, are, are going to make him a, a priority, even though they have Jordan Davis and Milton Williams as internal defensive tackles. I, I would think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson would be someone to watch here. Now, now you're going to have to pick one of those safeties. I don't know if you can keep both. Epps would presumably be less expensive than Garner Johnson. I think Garner Johnson has more of a chance to have kind of elite ability for you or uh, near top of the league ability for you. And he would be a priority based on the age and the positional depth, frankly. Based on production this year, I, I would say Bradbury. But the Eagles are going to have to decide, do they want to have uh, two – 30 plus year old cornerbacks next year, especially when they, you know, have three picks in the top, uh, what, 61 this year at, at, at least. Uh, actually, no, that's not true. In the top 63 this year, at least um, to uh, potentially address cornerback. And I think Bradbury has perhaps priced himself out of the Eagles because he's had a big year for them. And he signed that one-year deal with the goal of of, of uh, resetting his his value. Uh, I like the way TJ's played. I don't know how expensive TJ's going to be. I think you decide between TJ or Kaiser. And then I think the, the hardest decision they'll have is Miles Sanders, is what price do you put on Miles Sanders. But my guess is that's a position they can address in the draft. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, this will not be a surprise, but I don't think Miles Sanders is a difficult decision because there are there are also other good running back, free agent running backs. Um, and so it's, it, it, that might actually mean that he comes that's back. What, yeah, that's what I'm saying, it could depress his value. Right, yeah. I think I, I think you have a, you, you set a number and if it's anything more than that number, you don't worry about it. And mm -hmm. I don't think you're committing to more than two years. Um, it's just, you know, the... The, the value of the position, especially in this offense where Jalen Hurts makes it easy, plus the draft, I think I think that seems pretty easy. Uh, I'm with you. I think you make a decision between TJ and Kaiser. I think the decision is probably TJ. Um, I mean, maybe a little bit depends on where you would rather play N'Kobe Dean. Um, but I think Kaiser White's play has dropped a little bit in the second half of the season. Um, I, I, we've talked about it before. I disagree with you on Epps versus Garner Johnson. I think it's more likely they keep apps um, based on price or production based on price and reliability. Okay. Um, I think he, I think there are also the intangible things where like you are rewarding internally guys in the locker room who 
came up through your system, you developed, you reward those guys. Um, and I think, I think you talk about like price in the market. I think CJ Gardner Johnson has a better chance to sign a massive deal. And I don't think that I would give him a massive deal. Um, and I think you're right that way you said, like, I think, I think the guy that they would most like back is Javon Hargrave, but he's 30. If he's going to get a huge deal somewhere it, we're still talking about, I mean, he's been, he's been awesome. He's, he's been probably, you know, the third or fourth best interior defensive lineman in the league this year uh, from a pass rush standpoint, but that's still, that's still a position where it's a lot, it's a lot to spend. Um, but they're probably going to lose Fletcher Cox and they don't, they, they want to be stacked there. So I, I do think that they will prioritize him. And where do you stand on Isaac? Uh, I think the Isaac decision is linked to Jason Kelsey's future. Okay. Um, I think if Kelsey is coming back, you let Isaac go. I think if Kelsey retires, uh, you probably try to bring him back because you don't want to be thinking about having two new starters on the offensive line. And, you know, Kelsey and, and Fletcher Cox, and then I would include Brandon Graham in here too, have been like. Yeah, Brandon Graham is not listed yeah. as a free agent, but his, his deal is going to void. So. Uh, have, have been the Eagles of the past decade, right? And the Eagles are the only franchise that they played for. Uh, when you get to this point in your career and you've only played in one city and on one team, sometimes there's that emotional value on both sides, right? Uh, do you think that either that any of the three would entertain playing elsewhere next year? Or do you think it's like, yeah, let's try to make something work in Philadelphia. And if it doesn't work in Philadelphia, I'm done. I think if we, well, if, well, well let's if, focus if, on, on, on if, Graham and Kelsey because Cox is younger. So let's focus. Well, I was going to say, if we, if we accept yeah. the premise that they're all going to continue to play. Yeah. I think that Fletcher Cox is the likeliest to play somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. I, I shouldn't include him there because he's, he's, he's younger. Right. And, and, but, but Graham, and Kelsey, let's let's focus on on those two. Could you like yeah. see Brandon Graham playing somewhere else? Yeah, I find it hard to believe. I, and you I have insight, of course. Answer. You you were with them last week. You were yeah, uh, and yeah. you know they and he has been open about saying it. Yeah. And and Carlene said it that every time his contract has come up, they thought they were going somewhere else. They mm -hmm. thought they were leaving, um, not because they were like desperate to get out, but just because like that was the tenor of the mm -hmm. conversation. Um, and we remember in 2018, you know, Brandon Graham going around the locker room, like shaking hands with all the media yep. members saying goodbye. Um, but at this point now, I would be, I would be pretty surprised. I'd be pretty blown over if, if either guy goes elsewhere. What about you? Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Right. And, and I imagine, I think I would be more, I think I would somehow be more surprised if Graham went somewhere else. Then I would if Kelsey went somewhere else only because if Kelsey, I mean, they have drafted his replacement. If he really doesn't want to retire, but the Eagles are gung ho about moving on George Jurgens, Kelsey is still like the best center in the league. He can make a lot of money going anywhere. Whereas Brandon Graham, despite, you know, getting to 10 sacks, is still a rotational pass rusher. His market's not going to be as, as robust and the Eagles still value that spot. That's a good point. I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I guess on along those lines, um, the, a, a Fletcher Cox question: Could you see Fletcher Cox taking a hometown discount and accepting being like a third, a, a, you know, the third guy, if you will, right? Like, no. or is it not in his? It's not in his DNA to do yeah, that. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't see okay. that. Do you? 
I don't, but but we thought last year that yeah. part of the reason why he came back is because he wanted to be in Philadelphia, right? That that I mean, he, he now the Eagles paid him handsomely, but it 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 was very much like they cut him and they it was it was that wink wink deal, um, and I don't know how how much Fletcher Cox wanted to look at the market. I you know I he he wanted to be a part of the Eagles there, right? So yeah. uh, now this year hasn't necessarily got. I mean, he's been he's been better than he was last year. Right. But if they keep Hargrave, one would think that that's you're deciding between Hargrave and Cox. Right. Yeah. All right. Next question from Squidward Tentacles. How would you rank the playoff teams based on team names slash mascots? I'll defer to you on this one. Like you have first choice. All right. Well, let's 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 focus on the NFC to start. Okay. Um, New York Giants is the worst. Um, cause it's not even original. I mean, they stole it from a baseball team. So that's, that's at the bottom. Um, Dallas Cowboys, Minnesota Vikings, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, San Francisco 49ers, Seattle Seahawks. I think Minnesota Vikings and San Francisco 49ers are the two best. Um, they both have legitimate connections to where they are. Um, both solid mascots. I would say Seahawks is number I would go Dallas Cowboys ahead of Seattle Seahawks because a Seahawk is not even a real species of bird right it's like a I'm assuming yeah it's a a generalization yeah exactly you're the bird man Bo how don't you know this is that I think it's not a type of bird but I could be wrong so that's how I would rank those oh a Tampa Bay Buck is Mm, maybe sub Seahawk. It's just, it's okay. And are we not including the Eagles in here? Uh, yeah, let's not include the Eagles. Okay. Okay. Uh, AFC, Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens, Jacksonville Jaguars, Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers. I would say Chargers last. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. but great logo. Good logo. Great, yeah. great logo and colors. Uh, actually, yeah, no, like Chiefs is last. Chiefs is last. Um, problematic. Mm-hmm. Chargers at six. I think Ravens um, is underrated. Right? I, yeah, I agree with you. Edgar Allan Poe, and you know, and it's an original thing. There, there's no other teams in in professional sports called the Ravens, right? So I like the originality to it. I agree with that, uh, and I think I would put. I might put it one. I think Buffalo Bills is really good. Uh, I don't love Jaguars. Although, yeah, um, because they're Jaguars in Jackson. It, exactly. It's, not, it's, yeah. it's more because of the the alliteration that they went with it. Right. Than, yeah. I like I like Bengals too because I like that it's not. I like it that they've, they've specified the type of tiger. Okay, uh, but if you don't like Jaguars, Bengals aren't an indigenous to yeah, that's Cincinnati. True. But, so yeah, I would go. I would go Ravens, Bills. I guess Dolphins. Bengals, Jaguars, Chargers, Chiefs. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jonathan asks, what percent strength of Lane Johnson is enough to perform better than Jack Driscoll or a Mylotta and Dillard Ship? So how, how many uh, turkeys of Lane Johnson do you need to be better <laughs> than Jack Driscoll? Yeah, once again, I'm I'm not great at this percentage thing, like X percent compared to at- – what I'll say is that Lane Johnson – as long as he can functionally block, 
out there, right? As you know, he's going to be playing with pain. We, we, we almost have to accept that. He has to accept that more than anything else. Uh, that's, that's a tough injury. Everything starts at your core. Um, as long as he can be functional out there, he's Lane Johnson. He's the best right tackle in the NFL. I would want him. I would trust him more than Jack Driscoll. And that's not a knock on Jack Driscoll. That's just how good Lane Johnson is. So as long as he can be functional out there, then I would go Lane. Uh, next question from Katoven. I think 76% of Lane Johnson okay. is what I want over. Why not 74%? Because I'm making up a number. That's my point. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But that's what he asked. Okay. Trying to give him his answer. Him or him or her. Um, Zach, what do you think the Eagles do with the 10th pick of the draft? Oh, wow. I've been putting a lot of thought into this. And I would need to know what the first nine are. I, I, I think D-line, offensive tackle, or corner. Uh, and the best player of, of uh, available from those three positions not edge and, yeah the, well the, when i say defensive oh, defensive line, line. I, mean, I, yeah. I thought you said defensive tackle I'm sorry. Uh, d-line so rushing the quarterback yes protecting the quarterback or cornerback um those those three i can't see that now that's a, a wide swath i get it it won't be a wide receiver it won't be a running back it won't i don't think it'd be a tight end that early it won't be, I don't think it'd be a safety, although Brian Branch is a good player. Um, it's not going to be a linebacker, and uh, it won't be an interior offensive lineman. Now, the, I think there are going to be some interesting corners in that range, but O-line, D-line always breaks the tie for this organization. If you had to pick one right now, what would you guess? D-line slash edge. Okay. Yeah. I think I might pick I think I might pick tackle. Offensive tackle? I yeah. can see that. Yeah. I can see that. There's uh, there's the Ohio State offensive tackle Paris Johnson. He's coming after our hearts. He's a journalism major, writes for the school paper. Yeah. I mean, come on. Zach, are you just like brainstorming the stories now? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like uh it's one of those things Bo's got the, you know, when I go and introduce myself on the first day, Bo's going to have to say, Zach, even professional, you know, <laughs> professional here, right? Be talking about leads and not protecting leads. I think mm. he should shadow you for a day and you should shadow him for a day. That would be a visual. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, last one before we go to our next break uh, from Carlos. Who on the team most overachieved their preseason expectations and same with underachieved? Do you want me to go first or do you want to take it? I think, I think given the stakes, the answer is Jalen Hurts. Yes. Um, like given the importance of his overachievement, um, because nobody saw him being quite this good. Um, and it was, it was immediate. Um, it's probably the right answer. If you're talking about uh, not factoring that stuff in, I mean, I think the answer is probably Reed Blankenship um, because he's been really good. Uh, and I think they're trying to keep him on the field. And that was not the expectation, especially if you're talking about like entering training camp. He was uh, like considered a practice squad hopeful. So, yeah. and underachieved, or do you want me to answer? Why don't you answer overachieved? And then, so yeah. agree with you on on Jalen Hurts. That would be number one. I think I would go Hassan Reddick, and I want to go back and see 
and, and I, I should ask you where you ranked him on your training camp board uh, for, for for performances, but there were questions about Reddick. There were questions: Is he going to drop? Is he, you know what's his? Is he going to be that type of difference maker? And Josh Reddick, oh, I'm sorry, not Josh Reddick. Hassan Reddick has been even better than anyone could have expected. I mean, 16 sacks to have that run he had of double-digit sacks. And I just think back, it was actually a storyline after the first two games of the season, why Hassan Reddick isn't getting to the quarterback or is Hassan Reddick getting to the quarterback. And then it just came in waves. Uh, but for someone, for him to finish 16 sacks, to have the pressure rate that he had, uh, Hassan Reddick, I think, is up there. Uh, I had him in the in the state healthy category, just okay. veterans who didn't really have much to prove and did what they needed to do. Um, and then who would you say has underachieved the most, Zach? Relative to expectations, and this is kind of – I mean, they're 14 and 3. They've played really well. It's really hard to find yeah, anybody. Yeah. I, I, I would go with the two slots. I would go with Avante Maddox because of injury. You know, even though he's played real well, he's just – he's missed – a good, you know, he's been on I. Well, he was on IR, and then he's missed these past few games. And then Quez Watkins, relative to the season that he had last year, the you know he he hasn't taken that jump, but that's because AJ and Devontae are are that good. So, uh, but it's hard again. It's hard to find people when you're 14 and three and the best team in the NFL. I think the answer is is Jordan Davis, um, Interesting. because. Maybe this is more about like the pick that was used on him, but you know the the idea that he was going to change the face of the defense, um, and and like this this skill set that was so hard to find. There are only so many people in the world who can do what he can do. You know, we got to trade up to get him. Well, you signed a guy midway through the season who is 34 years old and has come in and done a better job and displaced him, um, and so. Like maybe it's a it's a larger conversation about couldn't you have just signed Linval Joseph in the offseason and used that pick on something else? Or, you know, waited until the second or third round to get a, a nose tackle? Because even when Jordan Davis has been on the field and he was injured, um, he has not been dominant uh sure. in any way. Um, and so I think I think that's really the only one who has like really underachieved based on what our expectations were entering the season. Well, I, I suppose based on the expectations entering the season, you probably need to say Nicobe Dean, right? Because going into camp, we thought yeah. it's a matter of time before he's the starting linebacker. And that, that hasn't been the case. Now he's going to be a starting linebacker next year. Uh, yeah. But, but he, he was held out of a job, whereas exactly. Jordan Davis lost a job. Sure. You know? Okay. It's, it's semantics, I hear you but, okay. I, I'm right. still gambling on Jordan Davis going forward. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, let's take our, our last break, come back, and finish out some questions. Welcome back. Birds with friends. What are you laughing at? Me? Yeah. I was smiling. When you come back from break, you're supposed to smile. You were laughing at something. No, I was literally smiling. Though. You yes. heard a chuckle, Marissa. What's the, what do you think? Um, you, heard it, you thought he was laughing, right? No, I think he was like preparing to be back on screen. Yes. Mm, yeah, thank you, Marissa. Yeah. Yes. I was exactly. like just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> dozing but he's preparing to be back on screen yeah he's the professional I was, yeah i was i was reading our our i was catching up on the water core on slack 
which is a channel. Yes. Wow. Giving away company secrets. Look at this. <laughs> Please Watch don't frame it. it that way. All right. Uh, back to the quail bag. Zach from Tejiza, what is your preferred time slot for next week's game? Saturday time. So basically, unless the unless the league is going to do uh, AFC one day, NFC the other day, if they're going to keep it split, I think the it's clear the Eagles would play Saturday if the Giants or Seahawks pull an upset this weekend. And if it's the Cowboys or Bucks, they'll play Sunday because those teams play Monday night. So the day of the week matters less to me than the time. Yes. I, I want the earlier slot. I'll admit that. Uh, I, I know some fans like the primetime games from a workflow perspective, from like a health of my week perspective, the early game on Saturday or Sunday. And is it still, is it still 438, 1, 4? Yes. 1, 4, 30? So yeah, that Sunday 1 o'clock is. That's the preference. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I would say. I, I can live with Sunday 430. I don't want the Saturday 8. I actually prefer the Saturday 8 to the Sunday 430. I don't, the in-between okay. of a 430, okay. I don't like. Um, okay. I would what rather, time did you wrap up after this past one? 3. Yeah, 330. Um, which is not ideal. I mean, that's not, but, but I mean, uh, it's a Saturday night game. I know I'm losing the night. Um, I don't know. Just specific uh, personal preferences. We uh, will have a pod no matter what time it is. Yes. That's exactly right. Ben Tanner wants me, to know. Go ahead. I got, a, I got a question last night. What do you do after the games? And I was explaining to the person. Uh, <laughs> you know, and he's like, wait, how long is the podcast? What do, you like to, what do you like better? What do you do after the games or what do you do in the off season? As a question <laughs> that every person in the world asks you. The off season one is great. The off season one. Yeah. So what, do yeah. You, what do you do in the off season? Michael gets that question a lot. <laughs> what do you think I do? Like nothing? Like right. you think I just show up, you know? Making taco soup. Yeah. Uh, from Ben Tanner, if each Birds with Friends host was an Eagles coach or staff member, who would be who? I don't know. What do you What do you think? I think Marissa is... Oh. What we got there? <laughs> the Berman kids? Yeah. Yes. Um, who's who's the person on the staff who makes everything happen? Who, who like without without this person, the whole thing would crumble. That's not true. Stoutland. Stoutland, that's a good one. Makes uh, everybody that's better. That's honorary one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Plus, you got oh the yeah, and the offensive line. line. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. Yes. Uh, Zach is. Uh, who's the person on the staff who beats themselves up the most? Who takes I, losses I the, the worst? I, I mean, based on what Chris Long said on the podcast, it's always the special teams coordinator, mm. right? Um, but that doesn't feel like Michael Clay. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. It, it doesn't feel like Clay. <laughs> no, um, he said defensive line coach too, right? That, yeah, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd give you Tracy Rocker either. Uh, I mean, I think, says, I think you, I think you stick with Gannon, your boy. Okay. Okay. I mean, look, the, the, uh, the qualities that people said he, he had are, you know, qual in, in my story last year, qualities that I aspire to, to have, right. In terms remembering of remembering people's uh, names. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. I actually, I, you have to do it for uh, me. Emily I got, myself. I, I, I am, I'm, I'll share this, 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 this one personal thing. Emily was like uh, surprised 
I made the other day slash like um I don't I, I wouldn't say peeved, but more surprised when I said, What's what's this 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 person's husband's name? Right. Like she was talking about one of her friends and I I didn't remember the name. Wow. And like it it uh yeah, and usually I'm very good at that. And so she she gave it back to me, like, you don't remember his name? Because I'm I'm really good at remembering names otherwise. So uh I think Bo is Do you Sirianni. wanna tell us who it is? Sirianni. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you'll because you'll go on tangents in the middle of an important football conversation. So. <laughs> That's good. That's okay. I, I can see you doing a press conference and talk about taco soup. So uh, no, I think soup. yeah, I think you are probably here. Here, let me think here. I saw Del Rio in the chat. That was a, <laughs> a funny submission. <laughs> um, Brian Johnson, because we were both very decorated high school athletes. No, <laughs> no. Um, huh. Okay. Well, I don't know. Uh, Jason Michael. Jason Michael is the best it. arm, right? Isn't that what uh, Jason Michael? <laughs> when you, you asked Siri, you trying to make me mad? <laughs> you asked Sirianni one day. I believe it was you about who who throws it the best right yeah but he was i mean alex tanny has the best arm like who are we kidding okay so then you're alex tanny then oh yeah. oh okay mm -hmm. you get to be the defensive coordinator and i'm a i'm a quality control coach <laughs> i see how i see how it is you're, actually uh, post lori because yeah yeah post lori here he can step in when he wants i like this for, i like this in the chat from mark bowen i'm sirianni because we both get mad at tennis <laughs> That's a good one. You got some a lot of similarities. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, all right, Zach. Um, following on the reporters theme from Dave, uh, as reporters, what's what are your feelings heading into the playoffs? Extra juice? Do you feel pressure to put out great work and podcasts? And as intensity and stakes rise for the team and the fan base? Yes, definitely so. Uh, and I think you can tell from this episode, starting with Soup, that we do <laughs> care about the quality of the podcast upping its level. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel very strongly about that. Now, I think every day matters, right? It's, it's you know, the 18th day of training camp matters just as much as, as week 18. But, Not uh, the metrics. Oh, but, but when there are more eyeballs on you, right, when there's more attention to the team, you want to rock, you know, you want to, uh, you want to perform. Now, as, as, uh, as Nick Sirianni, oh, I'm sorry, as Chip Kelly used to say, and, I was actually listening to a podcast the other day with uh, James Clear. He's the author of Atomic, Hab of Atomic Habits right up there. Um, and he was on the Tim Ferriss show. And he he quoted this where you don't sink to your training. You don't rise to the occasion. You sink to your training, right? So it's kind of like that. You know, um, you have to have a baseline that you hit. But I, I, I think that we have some good stories planned. I have some good ideas that I would like to pursue. And uh, hopefully you all enjoy them. Got my, got my Mount Joy T-shirt on, which which uh, was a was a Christmas present. Just popping that for the chat. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think you you want you want to do a better job. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, next up, this is tough. Which regular season game asks Jordan in the past ten years do you think had the most crowd intensity, and which playoff game? 
Well, which playoff game is obvious? The Vikings game. Yes, I think that's right. Which um, regular season game had the regular most season game? Uh, hmm. I think. Let me think here. Okay, I'll go. Now it was raining that that night, but I remember the first, the first game after Super Bowl. You know that, that Thursday night game. Yeah, that's a, a good one. There's a lot of excitement for 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 that one. I see Stone Cold here says, 2018 opener comes to mind. That's probably the one I I would go with. That I Falcons think that's a good game. Answer. Yeah, yeah. Nothing else comes to mind because even like in in 17 and this year. Most of their home games have been sort of blowouts. Yeah. Um, like the, you know, there's the Jake Elliott game from 17, but but you know, the, the 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 team hadn't quite earned like the all of the juice just yet. Um, but I don't know. It's tough. I think night think games earlier. It, yeah, night games typically have 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 more energy, more excitement to them. Um so I, I do remember there was, in, in terms of juice, when LaShawn McCoy came back with Buffalo, there was a lot of um, interest and excitement in that game. Uh, but the Eagles were kind of waning at that point in the season. When Carson returned from injury against the Colts in 2018, there was excitement, but that was an earlier game in the day. I actually think a game that had underrated, underrated excitement was um, – the Tuesday night game last year, the COVID delay game against Washington. I remember that was a good crowd. Mm. Okay. Good answer. Uh, from France in LA, Zach, who is the last man standing in an NFC playoff coaches battle Royale? So you've got Nick Sirianni. You got Mike McCarthy. You got Kevin O'Connell. You got Todd Bowles from last year. You got Pete Carroll. And you got Kyle Shanahan. And you have Brian Dable. Mm. Wait. Who's, who's winning that battle royal? Oh, just from the playoff teams. Okay. I'm yes. sorry. Yeah. I was thinking Dan Campbell until you said that. Um, well, Bowles played, right? So Bowles is the only one left. Well, no, O'Connell played too. Bowles and O'Connell played. Uh, so those would be now O'Connell's younger, but he's a quarterback. Uh, you know, Dable and, and Sirianni have that Western New York in them. I would probably go with, I would probably go with Bowles. He's, he's the defensive back in the group. Right? I think this is uh booking wise. I think this is a pretty clear uh, scenario where um, Bowles is the guy who everyone's going after um, because he seems like the best shot. He, he tosses over McCarthy right away. McCarthy's a jobber. Um, Siri, Sirianni and Dable team up. Uh, they've got, you know, their friends, they're, they're working together. Um, they, uh, work together with O'Connell to eliminate Bowles. Bowles goes down as the favorite. And then Sirianni turns on Dable, uh, and throws him over. Um, then Shanahan, uh, is, is a jobber in this sense as well. He gets tossed over by O'Connell, uh, Sirianni tosses over O'Connell. It looks like Sirianni has won. And then Pete Carroll has been hiding under the ring the entire time. <laughs> Comes out, dumps over, dumps over Sirianni yeah. over the top rope, and, and Carroll celebrates with his shirt off. 
smacking that gum. He's as old as Stetson Bunnett, man. So, yeah. That's good. Look wow. at you. How about Zach McPherson with the uh, with the Stetson Bennett age joke? Man after my own heart. What do you say? Older than I am, I think. Or so this guy's twenty five years old. I'm turning this off. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he was right. Uh, all right. I think that's all we got for today. So, uh, one more from Matt. Peckness migrate hurts Sirianni Roseman. Uh, well, the quarterback you always peck. I think. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You always nest. Um, right. It's it, that. It's hardest to find the quarterback of any of those positions. Uh, Howie has done it now. I think I think the GM has the most staying power though. So maybe you want to nest the GM. Like in theory, a GM could do that job for you know three decades, whereas a quarterback can, a coach can. I think a coach has. Did you see Adam Schefter's tweet from the other day? I, I, I did, I did. What did he say? He said, uh, "Like fun fact, in the last five yeah. years, uh, or, or or no, no I'm, the, I'm sorry, the Eagles no, in the last five years has become the first team in NFL history." Yeah to uh, be the number one seed with in the same five-year span with a different head coach and a different quarterback. Hmm. How do you think that morsel of information <laughs> made its way to Adam Schefter? The ESPN is Research my, Department. Is my, is my <laughs> curiosity. Uh, the ESPN Research Department. Yeah. yeah. We'll go with that answer. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm nesting Hurts. I'm, I'm pecking Howie. And I'm migrating Nick, I guess. I think you have to migrate Nick, which is no disrespect to Nick. It's just yeah. the least important thing. Um, I don't know. I think I, I think it's a defensible position to say that you would you would nest the, yeah. the general manager. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. Is is but I, I just think in terms of like like finding a quarterback is is the hardest thing to do. When you have a quarterback, yeah. you hold on to him for dear life. Yeah. All right. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. Um, we will be back later this week. I think we're gonna we're gonna have a little special guest uh, at some point, um, and we continue rolling on with uh, soup with friends. So, for Zach and Marissa, and uh, I don't know French onion soup. I'm Bo. We thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later this week. And as always, we love you.